In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Good morning, happy to be with you this morning as we continue celebrating the Feast of the Cross. You know, there are not many um, events in the life of the church that we celebrate the Sunday before, and we celebrate the event, and we celebrate the Sunday after, you know, Christmas and Epiphany, but also on the cross, on the Feast of the Cross. And so we're still in this uh, season of the celebration of the cross, of its finding, and of its uh, recovery to Holy Jerusalem after it was stolen by the Persians. I would like to speak this morning just for a few minutes about a person who, I guess from one perspective, we might say that she had the whole world. And through the circumstances of life, almost lost her soul, but received some consolation in the end when she found the precious and life-giving cross, St. Helen. St. Helen was born to a peasant innkeeper. And one day the Flavius Constantius, who was one of the great Roman generals in, uh, in uh, Eastern Europe and, uh, and throughout Western Europe, stayed the night in the little village where... Uh, her father had the end. And, you know, I'm going to say some things this morning that may be somewhat troubling, and you might think, well, why do we commemorate these people as saints? But, you know, it's not what happens to us in life. It's where we end up. So Constantius asked for a room, and as was the custom in that day, and, you know, women were pretty much... I mean, second-class citizens would probably be doing pretty good. They're more or less property. And so the innkeeper, um, at Constantius' request to have a woman to keep him warm, offered, because he was of such distinction, offered his 16-year-old daughter to keep him warm. And so the next day, Constantius, and I don't know what prompted him to do this, but he said, you know, um, if it turns out that you are pregnant, I want you to know you need to prove who the father is. Here you take this undergarment that had his initials graved, engraved on it. Sure enough, she was pregnant of Flavius Constantius and nine months later gave birth to a son whom she named Constantine. Well, where's her husband? How's she going to raise a family? Here's a single mom. Here's a single mom raising her kid. Doesn't have any money. Poor little village. She starts raising him. She doesn't turn him over to adoption or anything. By the time he's about nine years old, there was another significant incident in which some Roman soldiers had camped there for the night, and young Constantine, intrigued by their horses, decided to go play and 
stir up the horses. They got mad at him and started beating him. His mother, Helen, came out and, and said, Stop, stop, he's the emperor's son. And probably, you know, they said, yeah, you and who else? But, you know, she ran inside him. She got this garment, and when she showed him the garment, they, their jaws dropped. And they went and reported to his father, Constantius, we found your son, and we know it's your son. And at that time, Constantius brought uh, Constantine and Helen into his court, married her, married a peasant lady, and began to train his son in the military. But it wasn't long before the alliances of the Roman Empire demanded that he marry up, marry for expediency, marry for political solidarity. And so he divorced Helen and married another lady, one of the other emperor's daughters. So she's out, she's in, now she's out again. Not only single mother, but marries, and now she's divorced. And now where's her, her, her son? They, you know, he's going to go off to military training. So when he, Constantine comes of age, he marries a lady named Minerva. And, get, and Minerva gives him a son and dies in childbirth. That son's name was Crispus. And Constantine's off to war, so here we go again. I guess I'm going to raise another boy by myself. Grandma. Grandma raised Crispus. But Constantine gloried in his son Crispus brought him up in the military, gave him tremendous opportunities to show himself and prove himself, and he did. In the meantime, Constantine, like his father, needing to marry for political expediency, married a, a, a emperor, another emperor's daughter, Fausta, young Fausta, wasn't much older than his son Crispus. Crispus and Fausta were about the same age, but one's his son, the other's his wife. And so she bears three children to Constantine. Constantine, Constantius, and Constance, the three C's. You know, we, we know St. Constantine, you know, largely for having seen the sign in the cross. We don't know when St. Helen became a Christian, but many say probably after she was divorced by Constantius that she became a Christian. Some say Constantine converted his mother, but I think St. Helen was the one who influenced St. Constantine to believe in one God. And, uh, you know, he saw the cross in the sky. Somehow deep down inside St. Helen, I wonder if, if, if she may have thought on many of occasions, I wonder if that real cross, the one that my son saw in the sky, I wonder if it still exists, if, it, if it's still there. I wonder if we could find it. We went through the great days of, uh, of, of the Council of Nicaea, 325, and, and uh, upholding the faith that the Son of God, there never was a time when He was not, and that He was 
equal with the Father. And we know our patron is a hero of that, that council. It took place in the summer palace of the emperor. His whole family was there and stayed beyond after the council was over for a few months until they were to head back to Rome to celebrate Crispus escapades and also St. Constantine's uh, 20th year as, uh, as the emperor. On the way back, and this had probably been boiling for some time, Fausta, who wanted her sons, Constantine, Constantius, and Constans, to, 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 to inherit the empire, she was jealous of Constantine's oldest son, Crispus. And I've read many, many accounts of this, and you finally you just have to come to your own conclusions of what you think really happened. But this is what I think really happened from what I read. She wanted to guarantee that her sons would inherit the empire, and so she fabricated a lie against Constantine's oldest son, Crispus, that he had seduced her. And Constantine became so enraged and jealous, he threw his son into prison so that he could get to the bottom of it. And before he could even bring his son to trial, Fausta had signed execution orders behind his back, and his son was executed before even brought to trial. Can you imagine how Grandma felt about that? You know, it's one thing to lose a child to violence. It's another thing when Ken kills Ken. Constantine, when he found out what his young wife Fausta had done, was so upset, he had her executed in scalding hot boiled water. By the time they made it back to Rome, there wasn't much of a celebration. St. Constantine never got along with the city of Rome in the first place. And I think his mother just about had it. Got the whole world? I've got nothing. Nothing. It was at this time that she announced to Constantine she was leaving. I'm going. I'm packing my bags. I'm going on a trip. I don't know if she planned to come back or not. She said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I think it was the fulfillment of a lifelong dream for her. She wanted to go and visit all the holy places, everywhere that Jesus had walked. She went and she built churches along the way to Jerusalem. She built a church in Bethlehem where Jesus was born over the cave. And when she came to Jerusalem, she wanted to know where the sites were. She would ask questions, and people didn't know. But they said, this old man knows. And this old man said, follow me. And he showed him. There's different accounts on this, but I think there's a possibility that both of them are true. Some say that he brought, her, brought him to the temple uh, built by the emperor the Hadrian, to the temple of Venus, built over the uh, place of Christ's crucifixion. 
and, and tomb, and others say that it was a, this barren place that nobody wanted to go to because so many people had been executed there, but there was this basil bush growing up in the middle of nowhere. Well, maybe the temple was built over Jesus' tomb, and maybe the cross was still up there on the place of the skull. St. Helen was, she was 80 years old. Can you see her? Can you see her going up that hill? I don't know if I could make it if I was 80 years old, but she was determined. Dig here where this basil bush is. And they dug, and they found three crosses. And they didn't know which one was Jesus' cross. There was a procession going by, a funeral procession. And she commanded that the patriarch Macarius, who we see in the, in the icon holding the cross up, bring the funeral procession over. And they laid the dead man on one cross and nothing happened. They laid him on another cross and nothing happened and laid him on the third cross and he raised from the dead. That's why, one reason why we call it the life-giving cross. And others were brought, brought need in need of healing and were laid down on the cross and they were healed of their infirmities. I'm sure St. Helen knelt down in her old age and hugged the cross. She found four nails. Four nails. She reconciled with her son. Her son was there when she died shortly afterwards. And she gave him a piece of the cross and she gave him the four nails. And he put one of them in his helmet, his battle helmet. He put another one in his horse's bridle. And he put two in this big tower in the center of of the new Constantinople, the new Rome, with a piece of the cross dedicated in the center of the city. We say in the wedding service to the newly married couple, may you find the joy that St. Helen experienced when she found the precious cross. Would you like to have that joy? Some of us, maybe all of us, feel beat up. Or any of us more beat up than she was. But she found consolation in that. And I believe that if we ask the Lord, He will give us consolation in our life and confirm our faith and give us a vision of heaven beyond understanding.